We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast, where you think before you love. Please feel free to subscribe and listen on Anchor, Audible, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, CastBox, Podcast Addict, Breakers, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Deezer, or your browser. Be sure to share a link with a colleague, family member, or friend. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is for mature audiences due to the sensitive nature of subject matter. Think before you love is the Romantic Truth Podcast motto. You will not get slapped here, we promise. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Let's talk about the toxic lover. Many of you have run into this person. Others of you have yet to run into a person like this. And many of you hope never to run into an individual like this. Now, what are some of the characteristics of the toxic look? One thing you'll find, they're master manipulators. They love the to and fro in a relationship. They never want it to be a situation where things are stable. Volatility is their friend. Why is this? See, the more volatility you have in a relationship, it's just like the stock market. The more volatility you have in the market, the less trustworthy investors are. Look at Bitcoin right now. Who's investing in Bitcoin? The majority of people that are investing in Bitcoin are those people that are on their last leg of hope. That's the way it is. The people who have something to lose, guess what they're doing? They're sitting by the wayside, waiting. And this holds true when it comes to relationships. Because that volatility that's in that relationship, it keeps the person on edge that's the non-toxic one. And so, that's how the toxic person controls the relationship. I told you folks, it's very simple. The majority of your life is spent trying to retain control of your own life. Other people are going to try to come in and put their two cents in. They're going to poke their finger in your life. Because they feel as though, well, maybe we should be a part of it. This person shouldn't just enjoy this by themselves. Now, the thing you have to realize, too, with this toxic individual, they're not going to come across that way initially. This is something they will gradually back into after they have you in the relationship. Because if that was the case, they wouldn't be able to have any relationships. So they have to do it this way. And the toxic behavior is going to be just below the surface. Because after a while, what happens with routine? It becomes a situation where you don't really conceal some of your characteristics anymore with the routine. And the same thing holds true with these folks. They conceal it enough in order to get you in. And once they've gotten you in, 
then you'll see where the problems were the reason why they were single and the reason why they are looking for a person in a relationship now substance abuse and those kind of things will contribute to the toxicity of the relationship but right now we're just talking about the individual and their behavior and their treatment of you here's a normal pattern of behavior that most people will see either in their families or in some other relationship it will go like a cycle where things are calm problem occurs conflict ensues escalation of argument catalyst separation they return back together they make up half sex one party asks for forgiveness and they go on until the next spiral and this is the way they go through their relationships and it's a consistent pattern of behavior you see this a lot the guy who puts his hands on the woman and then cries and tells her that he's sorry and he's trying to take on the victim's role for doing it you made me do it it wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have said this or wouldn't have done this you should know better now what is he doing he's exporting blame onto this woman who was victimized it's your fault you should be a better woman now what is he doing he's projecting shame on her but you should be a better woman you owe me an apology for making me this angry he's projecting guilt and a lot of you young ladies especially you young ladies in your teens early 20s you don't know how to combat this a lot of times and you're thinking well maybe i did do something wrong maybe he's right and once you've done that and while he's crying he's looking in between his fingers to see whether or not you're buying it and you go in and you buy into it well i'm going to be a better girlfriend i'm sorry that i pushed those buttons that triggered you that way and i'm going to be a better woman and i'm going to protect you more once he hears that he says got her because as he sees it at this point he knows what he has to do to manipulate her and to get her into his camp it doesn't take much and now he knows the buttons to push now the biggest problem with a toxic person in a relationship will be not only that individual and their behavior but the environment in which they put you in because one thing that you have to understand too is that in order for this person to retain their toxicity guess what they have to do have the right environment for it to exist and this is what they will have maybe a dysfunctional dysfunctional or cluttered environment or in some cases it could be pristine and clean 
and they deliberately mess it up for you to clean it up. Because one thing you have to understand, a toxic person always has to have their partner at a disadvantage of some sort. Usually that disadvantage is on a moral level. Because what they want to do is to get to your mind. Because your heart, your emotions, all the rest of that stuff, that falls in place with it as they see it. It's your thinking. It's where they can have you at a point where you don't even know if you're sane or not. And they will roll back of everything that you said. Now, one thing also that toxic people do, they use your own words in order to put you in a situation where you have to own things. So I'll give you an example. You'll say something like, well, you know, you and your smoking, it has to go. I just can't deal with your smoking. Oh, you can't deal with my smoking. Oh, you've been dealing with it, what, for the last nine months. So, you've kind of contradicted yourself by saying you can't deal with my smoking. And I've been smoking around you all this time. So, what are you trying to say? You're frustrated? You're tired? What they're doing at this point is they're trying to pick a fight. And the reason why they're trying to pick a fight at this point is because you've exposed the weakness as they see it. You've contradicted yourself. You said that you didn't want to deal with the smoking. But he's saying to you that you already have dealt with it. And so now he's going to play that on you. And therefore, he's voiding your argument about you having this issue with smoking but see the whole thing is what he's saying is you tolerated it I accepted it now you must accept it other things a level of selfishness will take place with a toxic relationship he's thinking about himself first it could be a she she's thinking about herself first This individual has no regard for their partner. This individual may not even care whether their partner knows where they are. This person could be in another state, another city, sleeping with someone else. As they see it, it's none of your partner's business. Well, where were you? None of your damn business. Well, none of your damn business is not a town that I've heard of. Could you tell me where we're not going to talk about? get some rap, they get mad, they get upset, they have a quick trigger. And a lot of these people usually have that very quick temper. If you if this person starts throwing things at you, calling you names, it's time to go. It's time to go. Time to leave that relationship. Don't sit there and try to fight it. Don't try to fight for it. Because see, what this person will do, they will turn it around and tell you, you know, if you really love me, you would fight for me. No, I wouldn't. You're not worth fighting for. You're not worth lifting one finger up for. 
But what they want to do is to get that empathy. These are the games that they play on these younger women and younger men. And this is how they get them. And you remember that 18 to 25 demographic I tell you about, where you are most vulnerable to mess your life up? These are the people that will do it quickly. The young girl tells young teenage boy, you know, if you love me, we would have a child and I won't be so tense and so anxious because I think you're going to leave me and cheat on me. And the guy's like, oh, I don't know. And he goes to his mother and his mother tells him, son, don't get that girl pregnant. You're not ready yet. But mom, she says that if I don't get with her, that I'm going to lose her. All those girls say that don't listen to her. And what happens, it goes back to the girl. The girl's got her legs open. They have sex. He ejaculates in her. Now she's pregnant and she's just sitting there just allowing him just to marinate inside of her. She wants to make sure she's good and pregnant. Because she's won that battle between that young man and his mother. And she'll probably tell her at some point, he's mine, bitch. Sit back. Now see, a toxic person has no scruples when it comes down to breaking up families, (laughs) wedging themselves in between situations, screwing your job up, Because, see, one thing you have to remember about a toxic person is all about them. What their needs are, what their insecurities are, what their addictions are. That's what matters to them. Two toxic people together is horrible. They fight all the time. They're cussing all the time. They're throwing things at each other all the time. They're cheating on each other all the time. And they're bringing other people into that morass of bullshit called a life that they have. And again, these people are very unstable, very volatile. It's like you go home after dating one of these people, you don't know what the hell to expect. I've been there myself personally, dated a toxic woman. Went over to visit her one day. We were talking, laughing and joking, out the clear blue. (laughs) She grabbed a wine bottle and threw it at me. Missed me. And busted on the wall. And I asked her, what was that about? She said, oh, I just had some anger and aggression from work today. And that's the way she coped. That was the first and last time she ever nutted up like that with me. I didn't date her anymore. Because I saw where that was going. People will act out in different ways. And when they do, you gotta understand how to kind of navigate your life and deal with that and avoid those people. Look, here's the thing. A lot of people who are toxic, it didn't start out 
where they were born that way. They acquired this toxicity throughout their lives, whether they were exposed to violent interactions with their parents growing up, or growing up in a foster care system or some other volatile environment. It puts them in that light. And sadly, people have to contend with them. And a lot of times, it's nothing that a person is proud of. It's something they have to contend with. Now, we'll talk more. Come on. Now, how would we define toxic when it comes to relationships? Well, it comes in various forms. There are people that are abusive. There are people that are actually mean. There are people that are evil. See, it's one of those blanket terms that people just label individuals on, so it varies. It's very ambiguous because one person may mean something to another person may mean something else. And... A lot of times what you'll find, toxic people will label non-toxic people as toxic. Oh, my ex-boyfriend was toxic. Oh, okay. And yet this very same person is calling you up, telling you that they're having evil thoughts about doing things to themselves and others. And then you got to get them to a crisis hotline or get them somewhere to get some help. The sad thing about something like this is a lot of people don't want to admit some of the things to themselves that may be going on within them. It's society's fault. Somebody else's problem, not mine. Toxic people, as we know, are not that responsible. It's going to always be your fault. You're going to always make them do it. Whether it's spousal abuse, whether it's alcohol abuse, you name it. I remember one time in particular, my friend, the one that I told you about that passed away, the one that would drink a lot, that had the wife that was, she and I really liked each other. The problem with him at that time was he was going through a 12-step program and they put him in a rehab center and stuff and he had to go court order because all the stuff that he had messed up, cars he had wrecked and all this other stuff and DUIs. And he blamed his wife for the drinking. And she had nothing to do with it. She was not an alcoholic. She didn't even drink. It was all him. It was all him.
And of course, a toxic person will always say that you're not perfect. They're just going to bring that out of the thin air. You're not perfect. Because they want to have a measure in order to put you down on their level. You're not special. See, when a person doesn't have something, they become envious. And the first thing they tell you is what you don't have. That's the envy. You hear it a lot. That's a piss poor argument, but people will use it. You don't know me. That's another one they will use. You don't know the real me. You don't know me. But yet you're seeing the real them right there in (laughs) perfect vision. Because they don't want you to see them for who and what they are. This is the reason why I'm very skeptical when I interact with people that have the pronoun thing going on and have all of these different genders going on and all these different sexual orientations. To me, those people are toxic. Yeah, I said it. And the reason why I say this is because They haven't defined themselves. They're defining themselves based on something that didn't exist prior to their own existence. So that tells me right there, they're following. They cannot lead their own path. They follow. So you mean to tell me a 62-year-old woman is going to say she's pansexual when that term wasn't even used on a broad basis only 10 years ago. A lot of people didn't know how to describe what they were into. They didn't know how to describe what they wanted. Because what this comes down to in all these categories is what people want, not what people are. And that's the thing they have to realize. I want to be this. But I don't want to be recognized as that. I'm telling you folks. The problem with this culture that we have now. Is that we can label people. Things that. We think be detrimental to them when in actuality we're the one who need to label ourselves as that very same thing you calling someone toxic because they won't follow your delusion of you being something you're not and all of a sudden you're toxic you could be labeled homophobic when you just tell a woman that you want a female with a vagina and not one that had a penis. Let's be realistic here. We misuse the label based on our emotion, based on the way we feel at that time about ourselves, not even about the other person. 
where a valid toxic situation would be warranted for a person who can't control their emotions in a violent way. Whether it's emotional violence, whether it's physical violence, that's a toxic individual, a manipulator, a liar that will compromise you, your life, your freedom, your freedom, your livelihood. That's a toxic individual. Not an individual that disagrees with you. Not an individual that has a valid point in fact. That individual's not toxic. That individual's holding you accountable. And when you get to a point where you think accountability and integrity is conflated into being toxic, you're the toxic one. That's when you have the problem. And this is what we are now. We want to feel like we accomplished something. And we're willing to accept anything along the line of achievement. See, it used to be where people would strive for things and they would work to have a better relationship. And they would go out and go to counseling. And where they would work with each other, they'd go on retreats, they'd spend all kind of stupid money to make sure that they could be able to function together. Now you don't do that. Now you just put a label on, oh, that person's toxic. And you go on. And you don't know whether that person really is or not. Because your level of toxicity with this individual is a cakewalk compared to some of the other things that people deal with. There's a total distinction. And people don't know how to put up with it. And so they'll look at it as a one-off. Something that's not so much of an issue. And it is an issue. And it is a concern. Because, see, you have to remember... That person didn't become toxic by themselves. There were other triggers that led down that road for them to be that way. Could have been exposure to a violent situation growing up. And so they've taken that to heart. And so they're like, well, I'm a man. Dad was a man. Dad beat mom's ass. So what's wrong with me doing that to my girl? This is some of the things that happens with these folks and they don't know any better they don't learn any better and that whole thing about if you knew better you do better is not necessarily applicable here because they don't want to know better and they damn sure don't want to do better they want to do like there are women that learn from their moms about provoking an argument when they want to break up with their boyfriends And when he threatens, she calls the police. And the police comes along. And they take him away to jail. And that's his punishment. That's how she punishes him. 
How dare you for not agreeing with me and comporting yourself to my standards? And that's the way they do it. It's a sad reality. But the reason why they do it this way is because that's their way of feeling as though they can control an individual. And it could very well be that they want to protect that insecurity. You know, like the girl that um, lied on Brian Banks and said that he had raped her. And the school had paid all of this money to this girl, $2.7 million or something like that. This man did that time in jail, ruined his career. I think he did eight years. And then they found out she had lied about the whole situation. Troop came out when the money ran out. <clears throat> I see that's the thing toxicity comes in all forms the boyfriend that will never let go and you ladies have had to move you have your brothers and family members intervene on your behalf some of you have had family members come into altercations with these individuals in order to try to just be free from that burden of the relationship. Let's see, the thing is, when they made that label of toxic, guess what they didn't do? They didn't have what kind of category of toxic, what kind of composition of toxic. So just because someone's labeled as toxic, oh, my ex-boyfriend was toxic. Okay, well, generically, what does that mean? We know it means bad, but how bad? And what kind of bad? And then you'll find that maybe that person is talking about he was toxic. She's just as toxic as he was. From her logic. These are just things for you to think about, folks. Because we throw a lot of words around this during this era in order to convey things that are really hard to interpret. You know, what was funny uh, one time, I did a search on one dating site, and this person was pandemic bisexual female. And what I did, I did a search on that website and it had millions of people on it, right? But when I did the search, guess how many people came up with that same designation? No more than 55 folks. And I'm like, well, damn. That's a small group. Now, the interesting thing was when you would do it and you would have like maybe one category oh yeah there were more considerably more but when you put that combination in 
thing. So, what we've done now, when we call someone toxic, it's like that old bottle they used to have with the skull and crossbones on it. That's what we like to do. But you gotta ask yourselves, how many people are you gonna do that to? And it might be you, the person that's toxic in the first place. That's the reason why you have to listen when people start conversations with you. And you listen for certain things, inconsistencies, and consistencies as well. And when I hear a woman say how all her relationships were toxic, guess what I'm looking at first? Her. All the rest of the people are exempt. <laughs> prove you, prove that you're not toxic first before you tell me all of those other people were. More in a moment, folks. Now, when we think of toxic people, we sometimes just limit it to relationships. But we dare not even view family members and friends as toxic. Oh, no. Because we've trusted them so long. We've given them so much confidential information about ourselves. They know us so well. It would be very difficult for us to uh, address that in some kind of way. But let's do it. Now, here's the thing that you have to understand about these kinds of relationships. There are some people that are toxic that you give a pass to. You exempt them. That person in the family that has that negative attitude that's always condemning you, that never sees you as anything positive, and you've tried your best in order to change their view on you, but it just doesn't work because they don't understand the mechanics associated with you. The only thing they understand is what someone else has told them that they find more creditable than you. It could be another family member. So they have a fixed opinion on you and they don't want to know you because, see, one thing you have to remember about alienation in general, if that person gets to know you, there's no reason for them to hate you or dislike you. This is the reason why extremists, supremacists, no matter what race they are, don't want to really know about the other person. Their ignorance is actually what's fueling their anger. That's it. That's the premise of it, 100%. You take that lack of interaction with that individual away, they have no justification to be racist, to be angry, to be a genderist or whatever the hell they would want to be, or sexist. And by the way, that genderist thing is something I learned that's new. And what is that? You know you have sexes where people don't like a person of a different sex. Well, this genderist thing has to do with people don't like people of a specific gender classification. You know what the new categories? They're actually discriminating in those areas as well. So when it comes down to it, folks, 
it's like we will give a pass to a toxic person and not even think about it a lot of times. We'll give a pass to that individual that we know is not the right, not doing the right thing, is not doing right by us, about right by anyone else for that matter. But their mom, their dad, their aunt, their uncle. But we don't think about that. These are the people that will tear you down. Oh, I don't know why you're doing that. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense for you to do that yet, whatever. They always have an opinion of you. Even when you become successful, they will never acknowledge it. They got to find something negative in your success in order to validate their sentiments towards you. And they will continue to do this. Even if you go out and have a family and have children, they treat the children differently, all because of you. And a lot of you don't know why you're hated. Don't know why you're loathed. There was a young lady I dated years ago, and she couldn't understand why her mother loved her so much, and her father hated her guts. Well, the reason why the father hated her guts, years ago, when they were married, the father and the mother had an argument. The mother decided to go back to a best friend of hers for some support and advice and got some dick. My girlfriend was the product of her going back to get that positive reinforcement from that male friend. Eventually, dad found out. And from then on, this child was born and had an uphill battle and never understood why she was treated that way. And so she viewed her dad as being toxic, someone that no matter what she did, she hated him, but she didn't understand why. She thought the hatred had to do with him disliking her. However, it was that anger was misdirected. It was misdirected from the standpoint that he shouldn't have been angry at the child. He should have been angry at his wife. And this caused problems in our relationship. Major problems. This woman accused me of cheating and I was on the date with her. She told me, I know you're probably scoping out some woman. I'm like, I'm with you. I got my arms around you. We are sitting here on this damn, what was, it was a damn Ferris wheel down there at Santa Monica. We were on that uh, big Ferris wheel, the one before the new one they put in. And she literally sat there and accused me of cheating on her. And we're sitting on a damn ride, an amusement ride. Because it had rippled to a point of so much insecurity with her. But when I met her, oh no, she was misconfident. I met her at one of these uh, mixers, business mixers, where you exchange business cards. Over at the Beverly Region. And oh, she was Miss Professional, Miss Insurance Broker, and... Huh. After I got to know her, didn't take long. 
we went on a date. And she told me about her family. And we got in a damn merry-go-round, that Ferris wheel, whatever the hell it was. I think it was a Ferris wheel, because it was the big thing that went, took us up in the air. And she went and told me that. I think you're cheating on me. I think you probably copped out and saw one of these women over here. You're probably going to come back and get her number and talk to her. And I mean, she was just going on with this narrative. And I'm like, damn. But what happened? That fucked her up. She had trust issues as a result of that. She could never trust her father. Mom would go and get the father to do certain things. Father would promise to her and never show up, never do it. And so she never had confidence in men. So I'm sitting up here in a way shouldering that burden that I shouldn't be. Wasn't my problem. Hell, I didn't fuck my life up with my parents. And I didn't get it fucked up by my parents. See that recovery right there? But it goes both ways though. But here's the problem. In that situation, I felt bad for her because she was a victim in that situation. And she would say that word, men. See, whenever you hear that, fellas, when you ever see, whenever you hear an extremist, they'll say men or they'll say women. Guys will usually say women, men will usually say, I mean, guys will say women, women will say men. And they say it in such a disdain, like they're spitting. That gives you an idea of how they feel about you, without them saying a word, but that one word. Because she has an issue with your gender. And that is something that you can't change. Well, you could try to change it now if you want to. But would it really matter? And believe it or not, some people do this deliberately, changing their gender under the cloak of this new uh, trend as far as uh, sexual identity. So that they can wind up being a lesbian and screwing women. And of course, they're not a true authentic lesbian. But the way they look at it is, I would dress up like a woman, I'll take on the features, the hormones and everything to be a woman, the breasts, the hips, but I'll still keep the dick and I'll be able to screw women that are horny like that. And folks, this is a market, let me tell you. I saw a videotape one time of a pregnant woman who wanted a trans woman as a lover. She was pregnant by a heterosexual husband. They had a falling out. She never wanted to go back to him again. And she wanted to hurt him. So she made an adult video with a trans woman while she was six months pregnant to make him feel less than. There's another lady out of Washington State who had wrote me and she had divorced her husband because 
of his political views. He was a Trump supporter. And she never thought in a million years that she'd fall in love with a trans woman that she thought was a woman initially. And discovered, of course, the opposite. Well, a trans woman impregnated her. And now they're going on with their lives. These people are not just going to sit around and just let life pass them by. I think what we have to come to grips with, folks, is that we can talk about toxic people in toxic situations. We can put a label on anything we want. It's all about the way we treat each other. Some of this, true enough, is through psychological issues, but a lot of this is true through just how we feel emotionally. See, the one problem that we have is separating, we don't have any problem separating the logic from the emotion. It's the emotion from the psychological issues. That's why we had a problem. Because those emotions have a closer link to your psychology than the logic does. A lot of people don't like hearing that. And the reason being, with reasoning, cognitive reasoning, you have a chance to really think things through or think out the consequences. So you have that pause. <laughs> with the emotions, you want to feel good. That's expedient. You want gratification now. And you'll go through any immediate action for that gratification. Even if it doesn't benefit you, you'll still go for it. Because you feel better after you've done it. You feel relieved. You feel vindicated. You don't feel burdened. They just feel better altogether. Now, why is this? Because it's the path of least resistance. And also, the fulfillment benefit is a lot greater and a lot sooner because you are, of course, at that point where you feel as though, hey, I've been rewarded for my efforts. That's where you look at. We will justify anything emotionally. <laughs> in fact, we'll use our emotions in order to avoid logic. Well, I know the store closes at 3 o'clock today. But you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to go to the beach. It's 10 o'clock. I can stay at the beach until about 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock comes. You know what? They'll be open tomorrow. And right now I'm sitting here at the beach and enjoying the sunshine. Yeah, I'll just go tomorrow. Well, they may be closed tomorrow. May not open. It's on a Friday. They might have to wait until Monday. Well, you know, Monday, I'll just go do it Monday. Procrastination. 
that emotional mindset that you have of, yeah, I'll wait till Monday. And I'll justify it through procrastination. Monday seems like a good time to do it. So we use, after we use our emotional determination on what we wanted. We chose to follow our emotions first, but we needed some kind of justification that works in our head, not necessarily with everyone else. Oh, well, they'll be open Monday. All right, now that I've said this, to put it at a distance, how can I qualify and justify it so I don't have to answer to myself about it? Procrastination. Yeah, that'll be open Monday. I got time. Now you reaffirmed your own detriment. You reaffirmed the very thing that's going to set you back in life. And people do this with all other aspects of their lives. And before you know it, you meet someone, you're dating them, you wonder why they haven't accomplished anything. It's because of that very same mindset they have. We'll talk more in just a moment. What is one thing that a toxic person does not want to have associated with them. It's only one word. Five letters. D-R-A-M-A. Drama. And that is what these folks are notorious for. They will bring it with them. They will find it. Because it's part of the repertoire. And they have to have drama. Because they look, believe it or not, at relationships and people as entertainment. They don't look at them as people but objects, actors in a movie, in a melodrama or a saga. So they treat people various ways in order to get different responses. Now, here's the thing about toxic people, and I'm using this term loosely. There are some that actually are very respectful to others but they only want to be toxic to certain types of people the one thing you have to remember is this a toxic person is going to always make sure that you are in a position where you might want to leave them because of your personal dignity and personal respect and your standards and character. But they're going to always have an element of their personality, usually charisma or something, in order to keep you hanging around. And they're going to do that deliberately because they know as long as they've done that, they don't have to worry about going out to bring you back. You're going to come back Because, see, what they want to do is allow you to think as though you have one more shot at 
really saving them, changing them, getting your point across. That's what they wait for, that trigger. Oh, she'll be back. She's got to have the last word. Men play this like a record with you ladies. And you take the bait every time. I'll just go and just let her think this is happening. Just so that I get a response out of her. That's what these people do. They trigger you. Now, some of you are asking, well, what's the definition of a toxic person? It varies from person to person. In this particular podcast, the way I refer to a toxic person is a manipulative person. I'm looking at the Johnny Depp case, and now they're finding out a lot of things that were not really clear to the public, such as with the op-ed piece, how lawyers with the ACLU and others helped construct that op-ed piece that is in controversy right now. And that probably cost Johnny Depp a considerable amount of money with Disney. You see, the problem is sometimes people may work behind the scenes on things that you may love and they may see you as someone that they could actually take their pain and transfer it on to. We see this a lot, just in general. People that get in relationships with people. There was one lady, and this is no joke, she got into a relationship and told me this with a guy because he looked like her ex. Her ex had dumped her for her best friend. And so she only saw revenge. And that revenge that she saw in that ex was taken out on this young man that had nothing to do with her or her situation. And she felt bad about that. And she told me about it. And she said, you know, I really feel bad for that guy, but she justified it by saying, well, hell, he probably treated other women like that, so he deserved it. That was the qualifier for her. Again, these folks are not going to admit they're wrong. No. mm See, you have some people that like to break you down in relationships. And you probably heard this term used before. They try to break you down. Look, when I was in the Marine Corps in boot camp, that's what they did. A lot of guys who had not been disciplined before they came into service, and when I say discipline, I'm talking about personal discipline, not ass whoopings and threats and all that kind of stupid, ignorant stuff. I'm talking about discipline, where you only did things in moderation for only sufficient means. You know, my grandfather told me years ago, he says, um, you notice an animal rarely is overweight. And I thought about that. And then I started, when I started reading up on certain animals and watching the documentaries, I noticed the lions were never overweight. Tigers were never overweight. Even the hippos and rhinoceros and elephants were never overweight. They were their right size for 
their consumption and body mass. Why? Because they still had to be active enough to defend themselves. And what you have to understand is this. When a man, ladies, tell you that you're fat and you look like a pig or you look like a slob or whatever, that's the way they see you. You're in a position where you can't defend yourself. This is the reason why they tear at you like that. Because they look at that as a vulnerability. And you know what's interesting? A lot of women, they look at me weird when I say, Hey, I like your wide hips. I like that little pouch on your stomach a bit. I like your drooping breasts. And he wouldn't understand it. And they're talking about, well, my, my ass is flabby and fat and it's... But I said, no. I said, that's your boyfriend, your ex-boyfriend that told you that. I'm telling you differently. And they would have body issues based on what someone has ingrained in them. But the reason why they do this, again, is to break you down. Is to have you feeling as though the only person that would ever want you is that person. And then they could abuse you any kind of way because you are not going anywhere emotionally. Because you don't feel good enough about yourself to do so. Or to pick yourself up. And then, sadly, what happens with a lot of these women they go to the opposite extreme. They start working out and they become a fitness buff and they can't be with a guy that's not fit and that's not going to the gym and eating wheat germ every day and all of this other stuff. And what happens? Eventually they get burned out. Eventually it becomes too much for them. The one thing that you will learn in life, if nothing else, fear is going to be the thing that's going to keep you vigilant. But here's the thing you have to do with fear. You have to put it in its place. What happens in your mind is far worse than what will happen in reality. The reason being, what's going to happen in reality is finite. What could happen in your head is infinite. You could add any kind of nuance onto it in your imagination you choose to. If a bridge is going to fall in the ocean, that's all that bridge is going to do is fall in the ocean. That bridge is not going to fall in the ocean and then rise up and wait for the next person to drive across so they could fall back in again. It's not going to happen. Now, what we have to come to grips with, folks, though, is this. When we're dealing with a person who's toxic, they're going to be selfish. They're going to be manipulative. They're going to try to break you down and make you feel like nothing. They're going to put you in a place where you don't even respect yourself. But this is where you have to have your own personal self-discipline standards and rules in place and boundaries. So that you won't allow no one to treat you like that. And you can walk away proudly, self-intact. And let someone else undergo the burden of being with that person. Because it is a burden. It's by no means a benefit. And just because you've gone through a hell of a situation with a toxic person. 
Don't ever think that you're going to get a pat on the back or a kudo. The reason being, you volunteered for it. You could have walked away. You know, as a veteran, when I got out of the military, I never forget one one fella told me, "Thank you for your service." The other guy told me, "You was a goddamn fool to put on that uniform and fight for a country that doesn't even respect you." And I said, "Well, it seems like you're benefiting from this country that didn't respect me because you didn't have to put on a uniform and do shit and still got the benefit of being in this country." And he looked at me and he said, well, yeah, you're right. He said, that's the reason why I say you're stupid for wearing that uniform. I said, so basically if it came down to the United States ever getting attacked, you'd just go to another country. He said, you're damn straight. He believed in the benefit of living here, but he did not believe in the responsibility of living here. And this is the way you have some people thinking in general. I want the benefit of the relationship, but I don't want the responsibility of it. So therefore, I will do whatever it takes for me to be happy in it. To hell with my partner. Usually, ladies, it will start with you about your physical appearance. That's what most men will start to tear you down. Ladies, many of you will take on that masculine posture and cut down a man over his physical appearance, the way he looks, his receding hairline. And of course, you you can't get past talking about his genitalia, how small his dick is, how funny it looks, how ugly it is. And I tell men all the time, when that woman starts cutting you down like that, she's toxic. Just like if a man starts cutting down a woman like that, he's toxic. Why are you with it? And then you start to believe those things. And then you start having Stockholm Syndrome, where you're actually self-policing and helping this person abuse you. And that's when you really are in trouble. And then you'll try to go and comport yourself so you don't get abused as much. But you're still being abused. But you're looking at it, well... Less abuse is better than a lot of abuse. As opposed to looking at it, no abuse is better than all of it. And you have to face facts. And most of the women that I've been intimate with in my lifetime, they all had body issues. They were ashamed of their body. They were afraid of it. They were afraid to even look at themselves. Monica and Gina have been the only two that have not been. The rest of the women, that's the way it's been. Oh, I'm fat. I don't like my stomach. I don't like this. I don't like that. When did you stop liking yourself? When did you stop loving yourself? Well, my ex-boyfriend, my ex-husband... Or in some cases, when I was molested. There have been a few ladies that told me that. When they were molested, how their uncle and other relatives said that they were getting fat. 
the one lady I told you about, her uncle quit molesting her because she started gaining weight when she was around 15. And she did it deliberately, eating everything she could in sight, going over friends' house, eating stuff that parents didn't want her to eat. Parents were complaining. Mom was talking about, you're losing a nice shape. And yet, when she tried to tell her mother about how she was sexually molested by her uncle and her aunt, Mama didn't want to hear it. Oh, you're just making up nonsense. How she didn't want to go over to their house, but yet Mom would send them over to send her over to their house because Mom was too busy out in the street chasing men, and he was she was winding up having to eat her aunt out while her uncle was behind her, plowing her back 40. This girl had issues when she grew up as a woman. When I met her, she was angry with the world. Beautiful, but angry at the world. She cut me down like you wouldn't believe in the beginning when I first started talking to her. Then she apologized because she realized how mean she was. And it took a while before she opened up and talked about her experience and she talked about it in graphic detail as if it had happened that moment. It sent chills down my spine to hear that. And she was crying and she told me, that's why I'm so angry at the world. Because the world didn't give me a chance, didn't give me a fair shake like it did everybody else. And I told her, not everybody in the world got a fair shake. I said, some of the women I've dated in the past, they didn't get a fair shake either. A lot of them are holding a lot of shit inside of them. They try to forget, but they can't. And they carry that burden around their neck like it's a noose every day. And they're fearful that it's going to tighten one day and snap their neck. It's a fear they have. See, you got to remember, a person who's been abused, they have two options. They could become an abuser or they could become a crusader. But there's also a third option. They can become indifferent and not care what happens to anyone. They can become withdrawn. And usually people who have been abused become fiercely independent and less trustworthy of anyone. Go out on a date with them? No, we're going Dutch. I'll pay for my own. I'll meet you there. They're very guarded. Because they don't want to be taken advantage of. Because, see, they're being held captive, captive, just like a person. You know, the worst violation you could ever have is being robbed. Somebody has a gun on you, they have total control over your life at that point. Whether you live or die, what they could take from you, you're totally vulnerable at that point. And that's what a child feels like when they're being abused when they're being molested. And they don't want to feel like that again. As they get older, they become more defensive, more independent. 
because they don't want that to happen to them again. This is one common thread that each of the women that I have dated that were abused in their earlier lives and in their marriages and relationships, this was one common thread that bonded all of them together. And it cracks me up sometimes to hear people talk about, I had this one friend of mine, she would always talk about, well, I don't know what kind of women you've been dating. Oh my God, I can't believe you've been dating those kind of women with all those problems. Guess what I found out later? She had been molested from an early child all the way up until she was a grown woman. But what she was trying to do was to deflect. That was the reason she got divorced. Irreconcilable differences that came down to that particular issue. Because she was still grappling with what had happened to her in the past. And she thought a marriage was going to heal it. She thought kids were going to heal it. And it didn't. It made it worse. She didn't go to therapy. Therapy was for weak people. Therapy was for those people that really didn't endure. But it took her a marriage, children, and a divorce to realize that that was one of the things she needed, a vital component for her to go forward in life. Because the dial wasn't working. The dial wasn't working. I told you, the truth is just like water. It's going to seep out. No matter how you try to conceal it, it's it's going to get through. More in a moment, folks. Now, Roberta wrote a good question. She asked, um, out of all the dating experiences you've had, can you really say that you were perfect or better than anyone that you've dated? I'm just curious about this because apparently after 30 years, I'm sure you've dated a lot of women. How do you keep up with them? How do you remember all these things? I'm just wondering, asking just as a common lady. Roberta, Long Beach, California. Roberta, I used to journal a lot of my dates. In fact, majority of them I did, about 90% of them. And I would write significant things down. How it went, the time we left, the time we went there, the venue, what it was about. The majority of my dates I took to the beach, 90% of them. Because in California, that was one of the best places to go. If I had back all the money that I spent on Santa Monica Pier in Santa Monica, Beverly Hills, Hollywood, trust me, I would never have to do another podcast for the rest of my life. <laughs> I wouldn't have had those experiences, but I damn sure would have had the money, that's for sure. 
But I'm glad in many ways that I was able to have that part of my life, even though it was very trying. And I would have liked having a 20 or 30 year relationship with one person. It would have been nice. But we all have different paths in life. And what I learned more so than anything, I learned some of the issues that people are grappling with throughout life. So it was an eye-opening experience. And it helped me better understand people and where they are coming from. And it also showed me and educated me on things such as trends. When you know these things are trends or fads, and they're not going to last long in the dating circuit. I remember you. How many of you remember speed dating? That came and went, didn't it? Matchmaking services. Some people still use those today. I think they're pointless, but some people still use them. It's nothing like meeting someone, whether you meet them online or whether you meet them in person, and you discover them and you enjoy them for who they are as a person. Not what they have, but who they are. That's one reason why I enjoyed so much when I was in Europe. I enjoyed meeting the women that asked me about my family, asked me about me, my personality, my likes and dislikes. And not when I got back to the States, Hearing women ask me, so what do you do for a living? How much money you make? Where do you live? What zip code you in? What area code you in? What kind of car you drive? It got very old. Now, the one thing I want you to understand, if nothing else, with this whole episode, when you're dealing with a person who's toxic, remember that subjective. Remember, that title can be put on anyone to project disdain. But that person can say someone else is toxic and they could be toxic themselves. And that's what you have to keep in mind. It all depends on how you qualify it in your head and how you designate it. Now, you also have the manipulator. And this person is always in crisis. They tell you things such as they're going to hurt themselves if you leave them. And they put you in an awkward position because they don't want to go get professional help. They just want you to stay in a relationship with them. And then they're more or less giving you an ultimatum. They're treating you like they're going to be, they're taking themselves hostage, so to speak. And those are some tricky things to deal with. But here's the thing I will tell you. You're going to have to remove yourself from the responsibility of what that person does the moment they tell you whatever they tell you in that regard. And try to get them some help. That's all you can do. You cannot carry on that guilt, that blame and shame that they're going to try to project on you. You can't own that. That's not yours. That's on them. They went to that extreme. You did nothing but made the best choice for your own salvation. So if you chose not to be with that person and that person's a bundle of nerves and dramatic, 
understand this. You've done all you could. Don't overextend yourself into areas where it's going to hurt you. You try to get them help. Just as far as you can go. You know, a lot of times, toxic people will use any means necessary to get their way. And if that means retaining you because they feel as though in some way they got you in a position where they feel as though you're codependent or needy of them, they're going to use that to their advantage. This leads into addiction. If they have an addiction of sorts. I need you in my life because I'll start back to drinking again if I don't have you. I need you in my life if you leave me, I'm going to start doing drugs again. Kind of interesting how they can logically tell you this. But yet, they may not even engage in that practice again. Some do, some don't. But when they're leveraging something like they're going to hurt themselves out of some sort of symbolic way of hurting you, you have to look at it from the standpoint they don't respect themselves. How could they ever respect you? They don't love themselves. How could they love you? That's not love that they're exemplifying. What that is, is self-destruction. And they want to take you down with them. And you got to draw those lines and you got to have those boundaries set. So when you take a person to a rehab clinic, believe it or not, that's the best you can do for them. If you're not a clinician, if you're not a professional yourself, and even with a doctor, with a doctor, a practicing physician, would they operate on their own wives? or their own husband. And it'd be probably too traumatic for them, especially if it's open heart surgery or brain surgery or something of that sort. They'd recuse themselves and have someone else do it. It would be the equivalent of a judge having their spouse who have committed a crime show up in the courtroom as a defendant. That'd be a tough call, wouldn't it? Without being biased. Now that one sheriff down in Florida, I will give him kudos. He talked about uh, eradicating meth in his community. And he found out inadvertently through an informant that his daughter was the biggest meth distributor in that county. And he went over to the house and locked her up and put her into the penal system just like anyone else. It hurt him to his heart. But he had already given her all he could to show her the right way to do things. And that's all you can do in your relationship with a person like that. Give them the resources. Take them to the clinic. Take them to a rehab facility. Get them on a hotline with one of the professionals to help them. That's all you can do if you're not a professional. You're a lay person. 
I'm a lay person. That's the reason why I refer you to professionals. If you're experiencing any kind of difficulties or problems, I don't want you just to stop with me in this podcast. I want you to go get help if you need it. This is just to help you identify some of the things. And if some of them are resonating, you might need to go to a therapist or a family counselor to kind of reconcile things and get things in order for you. Nothing's wrong with that. Nobody's going to be shaming you over that. And if they do, (laughs) they probably need to be there themselves. Because it's all about building you up better to go forward in life and accomplish your goal. It's not about sitting around moping and feeling sorry for yourself, feeling bad, or letting someone else bring you down and exploit you. You could find a stranger on the street to tear you down and talk about you and call you fat and everything else. You don't need a husband or a boyfriend to do that or a girlfriend or a wife to do that. You don't. There are plenty of strangers out there willing to deface you, devalue you, talk about you, make you feel less than. Now that toxic person may lie to you on a regular basis, deceive you. That's to be expected. Some of you are in marriages and relationships right now where you can't trust your spouse. You can't trust your partner. Some of you sleep in separate bedrooms and have to have a door lock on your door because you don't know how unpredictable that person is. They could have some uh, psychotropic illnesses that need to be addressed that have not been. But you're both are doing yourselves a disservice by not having that person see a professional. But they can get the help they need. And I know that person may not want it. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm fine. Yeah, there's something wrong with you. I had a friend of mine when I was out of high school, just out of high school, and we would play pickup basketball games over at the high school. And he had this habit, and he thought it was a joke at first. He would open up a can of Coca-Cola and sniff the whole can through his nose. And he thought it was cool because it would form bubbles in his mouth. And he thought that was pretty cool. Well, what we didn't know at the time was that the reason why he was doing that and showing off that's what he would do with cocaine. And during that time, cocaine was coming in really big at that time in the 80s. And then after a while, we didn't see him playing with us no more. Wondered where he was. He was in a rehab facility. One night he had od They were able to save him. But that was the reason why. But we thought it was the coolest thing in the world for him to snort that Coca-Cola up his nose. He'd open the can up and put it to his nostril and... (laughs) You never know, folks. 
you never know. The one thing that I will tell you is that when you recognize a toxic behavior, it's not going to stop, folks. It's going to continue. I'm not saying that you got to be judge and jury over someone. But you go out on a date with a person and then all of a sudden you see this burst of anger out of nowhere. I was on a date with a lady one night and there was a guy that was sitting over across the restaurant and before we knew it, we heard, God damn it, and we heard him slam his fist on the table and he pointed his finger at that woman and he cursed her out. He used every word in the vernacular on that woman. And it shocked everybody. It made everybody jump. Hell, I jumped. Everybody jumped. The manager came over and wanted to know what the problem was. And the guy told him, you stay out of this. This is between me and her. Well, the manager wasn't going to take that. He went and called the police. Police came and asked them to leave. That couple was on their second date. The waitress came over and she said, well, I'm sorry about the commotion. They were on their second date and she told him that there won't be a third. Visceral reaction. Because she probably picked up on something that she didn't like and she called it out and that's how he reacted. There are some women that actually would have taken him out on a third, been out with them on a third date. Because they would have considered that passion and excitement, entertainment. There are people that are like that. Most rational people probably would have said, hell no. But you'd be surprised the people that will, will love to sit up and deal with that kind of drama. More in a moment. Now let's conclude this episode on the toxic lover. You will learn Erratic behavior will be one of the call signs for this individual. There will be triggers with this person and you will notice these triggers with the way they act. Now, what you have to understand is this is not a show. This is not an act. This is the way they are. Another thing to consider also is this. If it ever escalates to verbal violence, name calling, or any kind of physical violence, this tells you it's going to just get worse. Call it and leave it. Call it what it is and leave it. Don't hang around. There's nothing better that's going to happen. There's not going to be a change. God is not going to come down and swipe his hand across his face or her face. That's the way they are. The next thing, these individuals will use any kind of tool 
in order to use guilt, blame, and shame. The reason why I'm so hard on guilt, blame, and shame is because most people that are manipulated are manipulated by these three components. You could listen to Shame, Blame, and Guilt. That podcast, when I talk about that directly so you have an idea, but that's what they use. We're manipulated by this in so many ways. When it comes to religion, you know, you may jeopardize my going into heaven if you don't come to my church. I'm trying to save your soul. Now, I can't have you embarrassing me as my partner if you don't come to church and I go to church. You know, you should go to church because God doesn't like ugly. That's the argument people will use in order to get things their way when it comes to religion, for instance. And believe me, it could be a lot harder than that. The art of persuasion and manipulation. BMW commercial, any kind of car commercial. The guy's driving along, wind's blowing in his hair, his woman's to the side and she's gorgeous. It's your fault that you don't have this lifestyle. You should be ashamed of yourself not living to the fullest life has to offer. Don't you feel less than that you're driving a pickup truck when you could be driving this nice convertible with this beautiful woman in the front seat? That's how they convince you. When it comes to marketing. Make you feel less than. Make you feel left out. See, you have a lot of people that want an identity. And some people are so desperate. They will stay with a toxic person just to have that relationship and that identity. And God help them if that toxic person is wealthy, has money, has influence. They will treat them like crap. And that willful person will stay right there with their partner. Treated like crap. Feeling like crap. With the benefit of them having that lifestyle. A lot of these gold diggers and women that get involved with these high-powered men that treat them like crap and cheat on them and want them to have threesomes and everything else. They compromise their dignity in order to be with these individuals. These people that surround themselves around a whole bunch of yes-men Nobody tells them no, including their partner. One thing that I was taught in the MBA program, and that was this. If you ever become a CEO in a company, you always want to have an objective view by your side. You wanted to have someone that would challenge many of the things that you will come up with before you take it to the board of directors. This person would actually keep you from looking like a fool. 
And this person will also provide checks and balances for you. It's not that you had to be an adversary of this person, but this person had to be objective about you. And it came down to your decision. A lot of people don't have that. They want everybody nodding their head forward. Yes. That's the reason why I can never run for president. If I ran for president, I'd probably run as a Democrat and I'd have a Republican as a vice president. A moderate Republican. That cared more about the country than anything else. Just like I would. The best welfare of the nation. It'll be a mixed ticket. And what that would do, it would level out the views. And it'd be pretty interesting when it came down to dealing with the Congress and the Senate. I mean, the uh, House of Representatives and the Senate, wouldn't it? Supreme Court, uh, when it came down to Supreme Court appointees, if I were president, just as a aside, folks, I would actually take that power away from the Oval Office as far as selecting candidates and leave that totally up to the Supreme Court justices to select the best candidate blindly without knowing any of their political affiliations and have them wear they would have to get approval from the president and approval from the House and Senate before confirmation. We'll put that responsibility on the Justice Department. Reason being, I'm not the Justice Department, but Supreme Court. Reason being, they know more about the kind of person that would sit on the bench better than I would as president. They're jurors. I'm not. See, what you have to remember as a leader the best people to have around you are the people that are good in their expertise in their fields because then you'll have solid assessments on what needs to happen Obama did it very well when he went into Kid Bin Laden George Bush George H.W. Bush did it very well when he went into Iraq. I'm down in Kuwait. He trusted his generals to do the right thing because they had the expertise to do it. And that's what it takes. But see, you have a lot of people that don't want to delegate responsibly, and that's the key to responsibly delegate certain things. A toxic person, guess what they want to do? Control everything. And the reason why they want to do that is because they want to have absolute control. You look at Vladimir Putin. It's a, he has the characteristics of a toxic personality for sure. He's narcissistic. He's indifferent to other people. And his agenda overrides everyone else's. He's trying to avoid the inferiority complex of being less than a leader 
that's associated with expansionism, which he wants. He wants the Soviet Union restored the way it was. He wants to go down in history as someone to be recognized. That narcissism, that component, you'll find that thread through many of these toxic people. Because it's about them, their beliefs, what they want, what they choose. That's one of the reasons why I like when people write into the show. Romantic Truth Podcast at gmail.com they write in about things that's pertaining to their lives. Where they can figure out what's going on and what's not right and what is right. Because the one thing I wanted to do with the show, more so than anything, was to make sure that many of you understood that you're not alone with some of the situations you're dealing with. Because I felt that way when I was out there dating. That nobody else in the world was going through some of the crap I was going through. Until I started seeing, started opening up. And when I started the blog years ago and the message boards, and I started realizing these people had problems and issues just like I had when I did it. And I'm like, wham, damn. Okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only person out there dealing with this. It makes you feel much better. And it gives you a sense of focus. That's what it's about, folks. Because through it all, you want to be happy in a relationship. We all do. And yes, we got to make compromises and we got to get to know our partner and those things. And we have to deal with idiosyncrasies. That's understood. But see, there are certain elements of a person's personality that we may not be able to contend with, no matter how we try. That person may be bad for us and we have to face it. So they may be emotionally toxic. They love us one minute, they hate us the next for no apparent reason. They're making love to you tonight and then tomorrow you don't hear from them. They go, they take off. You don't hear from them for a week or two or maybe even a month. And then they come back like everything's normal. Well, where were you all that time? Well, you know, that's my business. Don't worry about it. I'm back now and I'm healthy and everything, everything's good. You have people like that. People that will say some horrible things to you in a fit of rage and anger and then turn around the next minute and they want to make up and they want to be consoled. You'll run across people that may be on medication and they want to venture out off that medication because now they're in a relationship and they think that now that they have someone in their lives that they're going to be better magically. Like the lady did that was taking the uh, 
bipolar medication that I dated and quit taking it because she was in a relationship. And when she did, hell, I didn't know anything about bipolar then. Hadn't even really heard of the term too much. Thought it was something that happened to people over there somewhere. And I was faced with an individual. They had a severe case. I remember a friend of mine years ago. His wife had a nervous breakdown. And they put her on Haldol, Ritalin, Artane, Zoloft. They had her on a lot of beds. Just like at one point they did my mom. And what happened? He decided one day, <laughs> because he kept got tired of reminding her of her medication and all the rest, he was going to take it upon himself and throw all that medication in the trash. And he threw it out in the toilet, flushed it down. Thought that he had flushed all her problems away and she'd be fine. Took her to the beauty parlor, got her all done up, got her makeup done, got her new dress, and took her out. And, whoo, boy, did things go left. Because what he didn't realize was that she also had withdrawals from that medication. And the side effects were something else. Then he had to wind up taking her to a hospital, to a psych hospital. She was never the same for a very long time. Because even with that medication she took, it balanced her out. She didn't act out. But what he tried to do was impose his will on her at a time when she really needed support. And I told him that's what would happen. Because at one point I thought about doing that and the doctor told me no. He said, you don't know what you're in for if you do that. So you gotta be very careful. And you gotta sometimes allow your personal will to sit by the wayside for the benefit of that person's success and progression in life. Yes, we would love to say that everything was about a person's personal will. Let me tell you, it'd be much easier. Then you could be more prosecutorial in your judgment of people, but you can't. Because there are certain people that have emotional issues that have nothing to do with their own free will. And we have to face that. And some of these people, yes, they are toxic. But we have to always go into a relationship measuring what we can and what we cannot endure. And we have to stay by those standards. Even though you might have lowered that standard for that person to come into your life, you still got to hold them to some standard. You still got to hold them there. You still got to have your boundaries. Because if you don't, will you be living your own life or will you be just living your life or will they be living 
your life vicariously through your own. With the control that they implement on you. The restraints. The one thing that I will uh, depart with you with is this. If you're in a dysfunctional relationship, if you're dealing with a person that's very combative, combative, argumentative, if they're always finding a problem with every little thing you do and every little thing in society, if they're constantly irritable, that may not be the person for you. You can try working it out with them, but also know when you have met your match and it's time to give up. There's nothing wrong with walking away. Not a thing is wrong with that. Put your pride in your back pocket and sit on it. At this point, it's about your mental health and it's about your ability to go on, keep your identity, keep your self-integrity intact so that you can be respectable enough to meet someone else who really appreciates you for who you are. A lot of you ladies stay in relationships far too long and become far too damaged to really go into another relationship after that one. Take care, folks. Love you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Romantic Truth. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and guest only.